So this class is uh, creating an epic worship experience. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot, but I want us to get to know each other, right? So this is not a lecture. It's a roundtable discussion. I have a ton of info I can share with you, um, but I also want to hear what you guys are doing. And I have questions that are stopping points for us to dialogue as well. And then uh, we may even get to a little uh, exercise that we're going to do as a team. Amen? Alright, so let me just tell you who I am. My name is, most of y'all have seen me during the conference. Um, a lot of y'all are members here, but I am Trent Williams. I am the pastor of worship and creative arts. So what does that mean? Uh, some people, to some people, they, he our minister of music, he our choir director, he our worship leader. It's all of that and so much more. So basically the way worship, uh, my role works as the pastor of worship and creative arts is I oversee all of our worship experiences from start to finish. Um, of course, with feedback and input from the rest of our staff and, of course, with approval from our lead pastor. But he literally empowers me to make sure our worship service is planned from start to finish and it's cohesive and it mat matches what we are trying to accomplish as a church. Not only on top of that, um, what that ends up turning into, you guys come on in. We got space. If y'all could clear some space here, we got extra chairs. Just okay, hop in wherever, okay, wherever you're comfortable. And if y'all want to turn your seats around, you feel free to do that. Um, that also equals, I also not just oversee our worship services, but what ends up happening is I oversee any event, well, most events that involve a worship service. So we are a church which means 90% of our events are worship services, which means I also am the event planner. <laughs> so I often tell people, as of right now, my job is 70% event planning, 30% music. Right now. Um, so I, am also, I've, I also am the conference director. So I have been working on this with an, with an assistant leading the rest of our staff, but overseeing this process with our pastor since April. So uh, we hope that you are having a good experience. That's why I'm making sure you guys are having a good time. So uh, on top of that, we also have other arteries of worship and creative arts. A lot of people say worship and creative arts ministry, and all they got is a praise team or a choir. Now, there's not a problem with that. It's just realizing that creative arts is so much bigger than that. So what is creative arts? Creative arts is performing arts and visual arts. Performing arts and visual arts. So we have uh, recently incorporated... Uh, of course, we have a dance ministry. We have a mom ministry that we are reconfiguring now. We just brought back a drama ministry. A drama ministry. People don't think of these things or how we can use them in worship. So what that ends up looking like is, um, of course, when we have major events coming up, Christmas, Easter, how can we get some theatrical aspects in that? But not just that. How can we engage the drama ministry in Sunday morning worship? So pastor has a specific topic he's preaching on. He may want to illustrate his sermon. We may do a short skit in front of that. Um, so my position works heavily in tandem with our director of experience and engagement. He's our overseas media production. There's a session for that. So the creative side of what we do, a lot of that comes from right up here and right here. So that kind of explains what I do in a nutshell. I know that sounds like a whole lot. It is a whole lot, but when you when God graces you to do it, it doesn't feel as hard. You know what I mean? Uh, I am I will be tired by Friday, but I will be ready to go by Sunday morning. Amen. All right, so let's figure out who you are just quickly. Um, name and uh, kind of 
what brought you into this session? So we're going to do the people who are not a part of worship and creative arts here at Bible Base first. So we'll start over here. What brought us to this session? Oh, name. Pamela Scott from Heritage Christian Community Baptist Church. Dr. Kane. Okay, and what what brought you to the session? No, that's a good answer. That's a great, that is a great answer. That's a great answer. You're not the only one. I've had about two or three people like, I don't know where to go. And, you know, you seem interesting, so I'm going to come hear you. It works. This young lady also, when she first came in, she said, is it just about music? So I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you came because it's so much bigger than music. Hi, I'm Carol Kennedy from New Dawn Restoration. Um, Bishop Julia McMillan is my bishop, my pastor. And I too was trying to go to a different class, but that one was rescheduled till tomorrow, so I am here. But I, I do serve on the praise team in the music ministry and have for years um, before I moved here to Tampa. Gotcha. So I've always been interested in the arts. Gotcha. I know your worship leader well. Hi, I'm Reverend Regina L. I'm from Hernando County, and I am here because um, I believe that well, the Lord is leading me to start some type of a new experience. There's new opportunities there in Her Hernando County, and so I'm here to grab all of that that you're to take it out there. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. We'll start here. Hi. My name is Natalie. Uh, I go to Kingdom Culture Church in Melbourne. Not too far. Um, my pastor is Bishop Jamesburg. And I'm the my worship cousin. leader at my church. <laughs> yeah, I'm the worship leader there. And what brought me here is he sent us here. <laughs> we all see you. Hi, I'm Gwen Reed from New Dawn Restoration Center, Bishop uh, Julia McMillan. And um, I too was headed to another class as well. But this is my heart. I serve as well on the Praise of Worship uh, team and this is a foundation for me back this was here at this church we're on the praise and worship team back in the day back in the day with Reverend Arthur D. Jones serving in the choir. I'm a Sonic Church. Um, I enjoy the music. I play drums and I wanted to come here this summer to learn more about how y'all you know build and cultivate here. So I promise I'll come here. Most definitely. I'm Robert Church, Robbie Church, I go by, and Pastor Trent, I spoke to him before, and like my son, he's playing the drums because of me, I'm a musician, and just, this is our home now as far as a family, and just mm -hmm. want to just maybe, if God lead us this way, that'd be the point out. Hello, uh, my name is Jessica Berry, I am, <laughs> sorry. Lunch. Okay, so um, I'm from Kingdom Headquarters. Uh, me and my husband after the church, but um, I'm also the worship leader, worship and art leader. But we are rebuilding, rebranding. So right now we have worship team, we have uh, dance ministry. We are building a space for creators to be able to express themselves through the services, and I will see all of that. <laughs> Uh, we'll skip you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my name is Martin Tomlin, and um, I just didn't know which class to go to. <laughs> so I ran into him, and he was like, hey, you know, I, 
Why not? It's on here. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ronald Marshall from uh, Fort Myers Mount Hermon Church. I'm in charge of the Mind Movement Ministry, the uh -huh. Drama Ministry. Uh, but yeah, awesome. Happy to be here. Good to have you. We're gonna skip you as well. Oh, my name is Valerie Cooper Miller, and I'm from Mount Zion Progressive uh, in St. Petersburg. And I just stumbled in here. <laughs> um, I'm Jean Springer. I'm a member here, and I remember saying to you, "You're gonna do a worship workshop." And here I am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I'm going to introduce the other people. This is Tara. Tara serves on our worship team and in our choir. Uh, she's a soprano. This is Rebecca. You've seen these people on stage already. Rebecca serves uh, on worship team and choir. She uh, is an alto slash tenor. Sometimes she gets moved. Uh, she's, one of, she's one of my bisectional people. Not to be confused with the other word, amen. Uh, this is Camille. She is one of our uh, soloists. She works, sings on the worship team, choir, amazing voice, alto. This is uh, Jackie Mosley. So Jackie actually um, sings worship team choir, but she also serves as our administrator. Um, now, that is a volunteer position at this point. So she does that outside of her normal work. But Jackie's role is making sure that our uh, create, worship and creative arts ministry knows what is going on. So, for instance, if somebody, which is, we're getting a lot of that now, we're getting a lot of new faces to our church. Somebody says, comes up to me after service, oh, I just love worship. How can I get involved? I say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Meet Jackie. <laughs> Jackie will tell you everything you need to know. She will put you. So now, I'm, as I'm talking, you may want to grab notes. We use a system called Band App. So Band App literally is like an internal Facebook just for groups. And so we have one for our musicians, one for the worship team, one for the choir. Jackie sends the correspondence to them to get into the band app. She makes sure they know where rehearsals are. I put the information in on the band app most of the time, but she's your the first face that you meet. She's the person that's in the know, and she also is the person that I call when I have for so uh, we got creative people in the room. Sometimes when you create, if you don't remember administrative stuff. So, for instance, we hosted a college choir of about 50 kids. And it was Saturday evening, and I realized, we have to feed these children. We got to feed them tonight. And I went and picked up food, but I have nobody to help me serve. So it was a call to Jackie, hey, who can get up here? And Jackie was like, well, I'm on the way. And Jackie and I served all 50 of those people. Wow. Um, so it's one of those things where, um, so now let me give y'all a little bit of my background. I grew up in a real small Pentecostal church, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I've seen ministry on every level. I've uh, taught worship classes at the national, uh, at the state, on the state level at the Baptist Convention. So uh, I went to a Southern Baptist, predominantly white college, Christian college. So I've led worship in those settings for their presidents, whole nine. So I've kind of seen it all, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what I want to do is go ahead and walk into why we are here. My wife, my wife is also here, Natalie. That's the beautiful lady that was sitting there. She went to go find my phone because it's, <laughs> it's somewhere on the campus and I have no idea where it is. And it's a big church. Uh, matter of fact, <laughs> Rebecca, can you check right there in the green room? I think that's where it is plugged in at. If not, it's in the in the admin building. God help her. Um, she wanted to hear her husband teach. She probably is not going to get to today because she's finding my phone. So, um, uh, oh, that would explain it. 
You know what? It's probably. It's probably right here in this bag. It is. Can somebody please call her and tell her? I'm calling you now. Oh, please tell her that we found it. All right. So now, hopefully, she has her phone on her. This is this is me. This is me. And so, first thing, this is not in my notes, but it's learning who's in your room. Actually, it goes perfectly. So. Uh, Bible based in its history, I can go ahead and say this is no, no it is nothing uh, unknown, has had a lot of work, people in my position, a lot of worshiping creative arts directors. Mm -hmm. In the history of the church, there's been at least 10 or 11, if I'm not mistaken. I've met about 45, but I think it's about 10 or 11. <laughs> so um, with that, they've had to adjust, and that's why I love the fact that y'all are here, because I'm going to ask y'all to kind of chime in on some of this stuff. They've had to adjust to different different styles. Whereas my predecessor, who's a good friend of mine, Pastor Darius Washington, he was very, very strong administratively. It, I can do it, but it's not where my time is best spent. So I have to put people around me that can help with the administrative things so I can do what I do best. I do best when I can give creative ideas and vision and strategy. I'm going to type up just enough for you to get it and then run with it. So even the other people who serve in worship and creative arts with me, they they are they're they're very okay. So what do you want us to do? How do you want us to do this? If you are the drama ministry leader, or if you lead the youth choir, well, I if if I have empowered you to do it, just go. I mean, bring the idea to me, and I'll approve it because I trust your leadership. So that's this is kind of leading to what we what we're talking about today. So my first question is, what is your church's worship culture? So let's go back. Let's go back. I'm gonna hand these out to you guys. Uh, take one, pass it down, please. Oh well, actually take two, pass it down. Second page has my my personal information on it, so you can reach out to me if you need me. Uh, so the question is. What is your church's worship culture? When I say worship culture, what I'm asking you is your church can be defined. People can define your worship experience. How do you define your church worship experience? You can just talk to me. This is open. This is open. Conversation. What would you say? Um, so, okay. I would say that it's presence-centered. Mm -hmm. It is uh, let, me, let, me, let me make it a little bit easier. If you could describe what your Sunday morning worship experience is like, ex describe it to me in three words. Invigorating. Invigorating. Present center. Present center. Mm -hmm. Spirit filled. Spirit filled. Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say God centered. God centered. No, that's good. That's good. There's no wrong answers. Engaging. 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 That's good. Okay, so watch this. I want you to hear this first, this quote. It says, for individuals, character is destiny. For organizations, culture is destiny. What does that mean? Think on it for a second and then explain to me what, that, what you get out of that. For individuals, character is destiny. 
For organizations, culture is destiny. Well, for individuals, your character says, regardless of what your mouth says, your character says, speaks to who you really are. And I think for a church, your culture speaks to who you really are. Exactly. The two are intertwined. But what it says is, as an organization, your culture is what's going to define who you're going to become. So part of what we have to do is ask ourselves, what is my church's culture? What is my ministry's culture? What is it when people experience us, what do they leave saying? Not just, oh, yes, we have plenty. Not just what, uh, can you take these to them, please? Um, not just what I think it is. Because watch this. I can say it. But I may have some blind spots to what people really think about who we are as a people. Mm. So I have to make sure, my ears to the ground enough to make sure our visitors, mm-hmm. our members, and the people serving in ministry are walking away with the same things I felt that God has given me as I've connected with the pastor about who we are as a people. Because if it says, your, my phone was with me the whole time. This is Natalie. She's on the worship team. She's on the choir. And she also fills in every single gap in my life. Amen. All right. So it says, uh, it says that it's your destiny. What you put in place as a, as a culture is what's going to determine who you become. So watch this. You have to assess what is our culture now. And then, as a ministry leader or a person who is serving in worship ministry or wherever you are, then get with your pastor <laughs> and say, what is the vision of where God says our culture is supposed to be? Mm-hmm. So, um, I want you to take number question number one with you. What is your worship culture? Number two, does your worship culture have spiritual and strategic merit? Yeah. Ooh, that's a heavy one. Does my, does the culture, so first of all, now watch this. Sometimes we got the first one and we don't have the second one. First of all, is our culture, does it have spiritual value? All of us (laughs) on some level, because we go to our churches for a reason, most of us would say yes. But the next part is, does it have strategic value? Watch this. So we just, so you'll notice some of the sessions are building upon each other. There's a a session for pastors and leaders on uh, strategic planning. Where do we see our church going in the next five years? So now, let me help you with that. Let me go break it down to an elementary basement level. You may love your worship experience, but you may also look up and say, you know what? There are no young families in my church. So as spiritual as this is, it's not strategic. Because whether I want to admit it or not, if there are no new young families coming to my church, my church is dying. So, Father, I stretch my hands to thee every time Sister Gloria sang that song. It tear me up. But strategically, is our worship conducive to where God is taking us in the future? Watch this. I'll go to go to the flip side. Are we too far? somewhere else because it doesn't align with who we are strategically 
you know, so, man, you know, I went to the Elevation Conference, and they came up, and they had 15 acoustic guitars, and they just had one lady singing, and I think we should do that here. But strategically, our, strateg our strategy is that we want to be a church of our, of, of our local community, and our local community doesn't look like that. So watch this. You may have soft things here at Bible Base that you love that is not strategic to where your church is going. So my goal is not for you to come here and be like, oh, we're going to do it just like them. The goal is for you to get ideas and then go back and assess where you are as a church, where you are as a ministry, and then say, okay, how do we take some of what we saw there and put our own flavor to it? So, you know, our folks will tell you, in our worship services, we have a huge, demo let me let me kind of help you with, with, with questions you ask with culture. Who's, who, who are we? Who are we historically? Who's in our building? Bible Base has a huge number of senior citizens and a huge number of young adults. So you got folks who love James Cleveland <laughs> and folks who love Maverick City in the same service. That matters to our culture. Now, y'all going to see later, I don't consider them when I plan our music. Because watch this. Who I am as a worship leader aligns with the culture of the church. So I'm not having to change who I am intrinsically and in how I approach worship to try and fit into a paradigm of this church. And so nothing, there are no pastors in here. I wish there were some pastors in here because I would tell them, please stop hiring people who don't fit your culture. You see what I'm saying? So you come to, so you know my church, you know, again, we know we're trying to go strategically. But you go and you find somebody who's already there strategically and they have no idea of who you were before. You see what I'm saying? So it doesn't make sense. Bible base is historically a choir church, right? At one point in time, that entire choir stand was filled and there were people on the on the sides from what I'm told. So you're talking 150, 160 people choir. Yep. So it makes no sense coming like, we a praise team church and y'all just don't have to get used to it. It's not it's not conducive to our culture. But now, how do we modernize and still keep the nuts and bolts of who we historically are? So in our services, you might get James Cleveland and Maverick City in the same worship service. If you look, you see torn, ripped up clothes, choir robes next. We got on colors and now we in jeans. You have no idea what people are gonna wear when they come to Bible base. You got somebody in a hat and gloves next to somebody in jeans and a t-shirt. Another thing is, a lot of our members are commuters. They don't live in this area. Everybody's traveling at least 20, 30 minutes. So we have to put that in mind. <coughs> we have an most of our churches educated. So watch this. I know there's a certain level of intellect that we're gonna have to stimulate in our worship service. You can't come. I know Bible. Now, all of us have different churches, and whatever it is, it's fine. Church I grew up in, all you had to do was call on Jesus two or three times. Worship was over. <laughs> when I say over, I mean like literally you having to step over people laid out on the floor. Bible base, you come in here with want to do it, want to do it, want to do it. They're going to be like, okay. He did it, man. He did it. He did it. <laughs> 
Give us something. Give us something. You know, uh, again, but all of these things matter. Demographically, who, who are you ministering to? And watch this. And you're not asking that to build worship around that. You're asking that question so you have an understanding of the people you are a part of. And when you become a part of their culture, God will speak to you through a lens that they can understand. Because the problem that I have is a lot of times what we do is we we try to determine what kind of fish we got, what kind of fish we want. And then we change our bait depending on the fish. But Jesus don't fish with, with, a, with a rod. He fishes with a net. He just throw it out there and whoever will let him come. So watch this. It's like the uh, the day of Pentecost. Watch this. The Bible says that they were in the upper room, and then when the Holy Spirit fell, they heard every man speaking mm -hmm. in his own tongue. Mm -hmm. Now watch this. That's not to say that, because watch this. So they're, they're listening. As they're listening, every person is speaking their language. But to this person who speaks a different language, I'm hearing a different language. So what we try to do is try and find the language that speaks to the people. When really what we should do is speak what God said, and he'll do the translating. Right. Woo! Right. God does the translating. Right. We don't do the translating. There is no way I can prepare worship. Some Sundays, our, our, our attendance variates, uh, has variations because of, you know, coming out of the pandemic. Oh, no, nah, some Sundays is. 400 people, some Sundays it's 900 people. But if it's 50 people, there is no way God can give me what to do and say to speak to the hearts of every person in the room. I am incapable of that. And so what I do have to do is rely on God's power, trust what he's given me, and let him do the, do the, do the translation. So where, when, I, when I'm singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keep a Light in the Darkness, Somebody's thinking he made a way for me to be able to pay that bill. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is thinking he made a way for me to get this healing that I needed. He made a way for me to reconnect with my child. I can't do that. I don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. So in our services, our services are typically planned around 90 to 100 minutes. An hour and 30 minutes to an hour and 40 minutes. So there's no way in that time, pastor and myself, can try to speak to everybody's issue. But what we do is, our goal is to get you in the face of God. And when you're in the presence of God, he does everything you need him to do. I'm getting way ahead of myself. So, uh, part of what we want to do, and I want to make sure I leave, leave opportunity for us to ask questions. So, identify worship models that aid in growing your culture. So, this is actually really, really key. Why do we do what we do, when we do it, how we do it in service? Mm -hmm. Right? Most people don't ask that question, especially if you're from a charismatic background. If your church believe in the spiritual gifts, prophesying, laying of hands, heavy worship, we just, we just let the Lord lead. No, the Lord can lead us through planning. I am as Pentecostal as the, I am as charismatic as they come, but the Lord can lead us through planning. Another thing about our culture, I didn't mention, we are really non-denominational. You have apostolics sitting next to Baptists, sitting next to Methodists, sitting next to former Catholics, mm -hmm. all in the same church. So sometimes when we have heavy worship experiences, y'all probably didn't even notice this, our pastor or myself will literally coach the church through what they're experiencing. So sometimes pastor will say, you know what, 
you may be looking around and realizing some of these people are laid out on the floor or they're running to the altar and feel like God isn't speaking to me in that moment. But I promise you, if you listen, God is speaking to you as well. Just because you're not responding how everybody else responds. We have to do that here. You may not have to do that at your church. But now I will say, uh, demographics are showing that more and more young adults did not grow up in church. So if you're trying to get them into your church, they're not going to understand anything you're talking about. So you talk about, we'll understand it better by and by. What does by and by mean? Exactly. And so you have to break that thing down. And so part of what we're talking about is understanding your worship model means you have to start developing how you shape the worship culture into the pastor's vision that God has given that, that person, him or her. Right. So watch this. That means you need to be speaking with your pastor about where ministry is headed. Because if that's the leader, God has spoken to the leader about where ministry is headed. Catch the vision of the leader. Also, it helps because you cannot change a culture by yourself. You can't. You cannot. You, we want to grow our worship culture to this. You can't do it by yourself. So watch this. We undergird our worship culture with teaching. So if there's somewhere we're trying to go, hey, pastor, we might need to do some Bible studies on this. I might need to do some worship sessions on this. You might need to do a sermon series on where God is leading us because I'm, I'm, I'm skipping some stuff. Worship is a method of discipleship. We don't look at it that way. We say, well, you know, worship is for preaching and then Bible study is for teaching. But we all know they don't come to Bible study. So what is discipleship? Discipleship is how we grow in our relationship with God. Worship and the Sunday morning worship experience is one of the strongest met tools we have and probably the most attended tool we have to help people grow with God. So I have to approach worship from a perspective of how do we help people grow in their relationship with God? I don't just want you to come out of here saying, oh, Lord, that choir sure sang today. And you leave out and you just as mean, just as nasty. Just, you see what I'm saying? It, it just. It, so my brother said he oversees the mom ministry. How do we minister through mom in a way that people leave wanting to be better? Do we make sure our song that we're dancing to aligns with pastor's message for Sunday? You see, you see how that works? Again, it's it, you have to be strategic about worship because otherwise you just come in here and you just have a good time and you're expecting your church to grow numerically and spiritually by osmosis. So worship models. So the Mark 12, 30 model, I'm going to give you guys this. So now you will see that this says worship planning guide. We have not implemented this yet. This is new for us. So y'all getting it before I've even shared it with the rest of the team. So what we do is, that's another thing. We have a worship planning meeting every single week. Now, a lot of y'all are in volunteer positions. So you may not be able to set a planning meeting every week. But at some point, you need to be meeting with all of the elements of your worship service and with your pastor to find out what's going on. 
Pastor, and watch this. Sometimes pastor's sermon will change. So I don't base music off of his sermons. But I've spent enough time hearing his heart about where the church is going. Even if I don't know what he's preaching, the music always aligns. Mm-hmm. They're like, ooh. They'll come in and be like, I know y'all. Man, the way you flushed that out in the meeting to make sure that when we ended up singing this song, pastor was going to come with that same scripture. We didn't do that in the meeting. That was the Holy Spirit. But it's also me spending enough time with my leader to understand and catching vision to say, I understand where you are going spiritually, and I've connected to where you're going, and I'm bought into it enough that God is leading me in the same place he's leading you. If you're getting up and what you're doing is all always counter to what the pastor is going, doing, and leading, you're out of order. Right. Period. Pastor's not out of order. Period. Because your job is not to correct the pastor. Your job is to submit to their leadership. And if you can't submit to their leadership, God might be calling you somewhere else. Those are hard conversations to have. Do not, do not stay in anywhere where you are going to be a headache for people. Period. Period. Because so often we get we we get in ministry and we have people serving in areas where um they're present and we need and we think we need them. Not realizing God can't send who he wants to send. He can't send the people he wants to send because you're still entertaining problematic people. Uh, uh, A church consultant I met with for lunch last week, he said it this way. He said, I I almost sense it's like God is sitting there with all these people in his hands. And he's looking around and he's saying, what church can I send them to? Where they're going to be loved. Where they're going to be able to function and lead in ministry the way they want to. Where they can be, be poured into. So if your ministry is chaos right now, God may not be allowing it to grow because he's giving you time to get it together. Mm -hmm. And maybe once you put it in order, then he'll open the floodgates and send people in to help us help come alongside that ministry. So um, I'm going to give you guys this. So Mark 1230 is the scripture that says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. So I'm not going to break this down heavily because we got a lot to discuss. But I'm going to uh, give you guys this so you can uh, you can look at it. So this is this is our new worship planning pre uh, our new pre worship planning guide that I'm going to introduce. Matter of fact, I'm introducing it to our staff next week. And so what we're doing is we're using Mark 12:30, right? Heart, love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So it breaks it down. There's a book that I read called Experiential Worship. Experiential Worship by Doc, by Dr. Bob Rowling. And he breaks down, the entire book is based off Mark 12, 30. Heart, mind, soul, strength. Heart is your decisions. So worship should cause you to make some, change, make some changes in your decisions. Mind, church should cause you to think differently, right? Soul, what are you feeling? Strength, your actions. So watch this. What he says in the book is every church, especially once you get them on denominational lines, is going to lean heavily into one or the other. Right? So if you go to a Catholic or a Lutheran or Episcopalian service, it's very active. Stand, sit, kneel, say this. This is this chant. You give this liturgy. You drink this. You do that. Whereas 
The Baptist church, tried and true. All about number one, your heart. Come give me your hand and God your heart. Everything leads to, and growing up in a, uh, well, working in Baptist circles, and then my great-grandfathers were Baptist pastors. Growing up, everything led to that decision. Everything led to that decision for Christ. That was the most important part. So everything follows to that. Whereas in the Pentecostal Charismatic Church, it might be a little bit more of the soul, the emotions. There were times where we didn't even do an official invitation to discipleship. Now, we don't lay hands on everybody. Everybody that came to the altar, but we don't know if anybody got saved. But we had a move of God. And then mind, thoughts. You know, there are churches that they're going to specifically lean into stimulating your intellect. Got it? So what he says is a real worship experience should do all of the above. So what we're doing is we're going to try to use this to help us in our worship planning meetings. Uh, we have them every week because I'm on staff full time and we can. Um, in our worship planning meetings to kind of know when I'm going through and shaping the service to make sure, because we do and do the next week when we worship plan, we also debrief. We have a debrief where we talk about what was worship like, what was out of place. Well, you know, we were supposed to do that special offering and we forgot the baskets or we forgot envelopes. Or you know what? We missed that it was MLK Day. You know, we should have done something to highlight that in our worship service. So we talk about those things because if you don't talk about it, you can't grow. So what this will do for us is um, help us kind of know what we're evaluating when we debrief. When I got here, they had a worship rubric, right? And so the way the worship rubric went was we would get in staff meetings and everybody will rate their own area. So for this week, facilities, what did that look like? And the facilities director will rate his own area. What did worship look like? And what we realized was everybody was giving themselves top marks on everything. <laughs> because they're rating themselves and you're doing it in front of your he your pastor but he's also your boss so it was great I mean well you know we did have that one issue but it was phenomenal <laughs> and so I walked in and said so listen we're going to throw this rubric out no rubric and our church is very dangerous we have data on everything everything we know when you come to bible study we know when you come to your life groups we typically know if you came to church. It's hard to figure it out, but we have data on everything. They were like, what do you mean we're not going to have a rubric? We ain't done nothing with the rubric since I've been here. We put out, we put the numbers on and we move on with them. So it, what it did was it caused us to have dialogue. But this is going to help us. So first of all, heart, what changes do we want our to see our congregants make during and after this service? Of course, salvation is automatically in there. We want some people to decide I'm going to get saved for Jesus today. But there may be other things. We're a big church that's big on missions. So if we're doing a missions emphasis Sunday, right there, I would put people feel compelled to get involved in local or, you feel what I'm saying, whatever missions initiative we have going on. Mm -hmm. Mind, what do we want to leave on the mind of our congregants? So this can include both spiritual matters and upcoming initiatives and events. So... This is, you know what, we want people to remember that Equip Conference is coming up and that they need to register. So some way we need to shape service to point them in that direction. Because as y'all know, it don't matter how many times you make an announcement. <laughs> where, where are we doing this? 
Listen, we send text messages, we send texts, emails, we announce it on Sunday morning. It's on our website and on our social media, and people still say they don't know about stuff. So I understand. Soul and emotions. What do we want our congregants to feel in our upcoming worship service? This is key because we will go in and we'll put arbitrary stuff in that section. Oh, we want them to feel uplifted. We want them to feel inspired. Watch this. Some Sundays that might need to change. Depending on what ministry you are trying to do. Because watch this. Sometimes they need, may need to feel a sense of longing for, for the lost soul. So, pastor, you might need to check. And watch this. Now here, I have the authority to give these suggestions. Pastor, you might not need to give too much celebration at the end of your sermon. We might need to really drive home that there's a dying world out there and we got empty seats in our church and our members are doing nothing about it. So we might not get to tune the organ up. We might not get to run and shout and holler today. We might have to leave out of here in tears. Lord, we gonna, I'm going to go and I'm going to tell somebody about you this week. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then the last week, last step, what are the tangible actions or next steps we want members to take away from this service, right? So that's one model you can use. You can literally build your worship around that. How do we make sure we engage them from their heart, their mind, their soul, and their strength, yeah. right? So another model we have. Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. I'm going to jump into Bible basis model in a second. The Isaiah 6 model, right? So it's a little elaborate, but uh, you can actually Google it. It's really simple, but I'll just kind of give you some of the nuggets from it. Is it a Loma? So that scripture that says, in the, kid, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple, right? So the first thing is see God. So my one of my college professors, this is what he used. So the first thing they do is every service starts with a song where people know, are hearing about the greatness of God. So what kind of songs are those? How great is our God? Not you brought me from a mighty long way because that's focused on me. Focus on it starts with focusing on God. They then go into the, the second he sees God, they go into a time of confession because he says, "Woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips." So they actually do their altar call then. Time of confession. Let's confess our sins before God. Whatever, and it just goes through all of these steps. I can give you the. I'll give you a uh, diagram for the rest of the steps. I did not print it out. Um, but you can actually find, you can look through that scripture and it'll it, it it'll come to you as you're looking. Um, now, Bible Base has a worship model that was here before I got here, and I saw it and I thought it was brilliant, so I kept it. Um, so, and then I'm gonna have y'all talk to some specifics that we specific things we do. So, Bible based worship model is epic, epic, exciting, pragmatic, interactive. And Christ-centered, exciting, pragmatic, interactive, Christ-centered. This is on your page. So exciting! People should look forward to coming to worship. Mm-hmm. Is your church boring? Watch this. Or better yet, what are ways you can engage? Let's stop there. Why should people come to your church? Let's be real. 
pandemic happened, we started this virtual church thing, half of our members at everybody's churches did not come back. And most of them ain't really watching virtually. They say they're watching virtually. <laughs> Let's be real. And then the statistics show that people who actually do watch virtual services watch a minimum of three different servant churches at a time or within a span of a day. People like virtual church because I can go over here, catch a little bit of their praise and worship. I can go over here, catch a little bit of that. And then I'm gonna go listen. I'm gonna check into my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, check in on my church real quick. But then I'm gonna go listen to my favorite preacher. <laughs> so my question is, if I can get T.D. Jakes, Dr. Gina Stewart, or whatever pastor you like, Tony Evans, whoever it is, Michael Todd, I can get all of them from the comfort of my home, never have to put on clothes, and watch this. Nine times out of ten, they got a whole lot of money, so their live stream experience is way better than yours. Let's be real. I listen to uh, my favorite uh, church to watch virtually is Greater Allen Cathedral in New York. Their music, their worship uh, service, from a live stream standpoint, is one of the best sounding worship services ever. I go and listen to theirs, and I listen to ours, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> and y'all probably listen to ours, like, oh, I wish it sounded like that. You see what I'm saying? But, so if people have all of those options, why would they put on their clothes, get dressed, and come dry to be in your worship service? Mm -hmm. Is it exciting? Mm -hmm. Watch this. Sometimes it's not even about jumping around and dancing. It's, am I going to be excited to see the people I go to church with? Are they mean as rattlesnakes? <laughs> Or when I come through the door, am I going to be loved, embraced? Am I going to feel like I'm welcome? So watch this. We have personality traits that tell our cultural values at this church. Watch this. You can probably tell what they are by what you've seen here. The first one is welcoming. You probably had 5,000 people going, hey, how you doing? Welcome to Bible. Hey, welcome to Equip. Hey, welcome to Equip. Because that's a part of who we are as, our, as a culture. And so watch this. Before y'all got here, we had a meeting and said, don't forget, we welcoming. <laughs> so be welcoming. <laughs> Smile at every person. Give them your name. Let them know who you are. If they ask you to go somewhere, walk them to the room. That's why I was late. Because people stopped me and asked me, hey, how do we get here? And I said, well, I don't tell everybody else, don't point people in the direction of stuff. Walk them there. So I got to walk y'all to this room. That's how you build your life. But again, that's so, watch this. So we should expect that when we, watch this, when we ask people, so what made you join the church today? They, oh, I just felt so welcome. Check. Check mark. We hit that on our personality traits. There's some of our personality traits where we struggle. But it's knowing our culture. So why should people come to your worship service? And then how do you build interest outside of Sunday mornings? Maybe you find out what Pastor Scripture going to be on Sunday. And you call. Listen, because everybody thinks you got to do social media. We got some old school saints in the room. You call your friends and be like, girl. Have you read Mark chapter 12, verse, verse 20? I heard pastor going to be preaching on it, man. You know what? Matter of fact, let's read it together and talk about it. And then, he'll, and then we're going to compare notes after service on Sunday. How do I build excitement 
about what's going on in my ministry. Because if you wait for Sunday morning to get to get them to come, they ain't coming. We actually realized that um, science is showing we were sending text messages out for Sunday morning service on Sunday morning. And what we found out is if you send the text message out for people to come to church on Sunday morning, they've already decided whether they were coming to church or not. All right. So we started sending it on Saturday. Hope you're getting your clothes ready and you're getting ready to worship Jesus with us. And all of a sudden, attendance started going up. Now, we have some, we are very transparent here today. We got some trouble spots. Our social media is not as good, but it's not as strong as it could be. I would love to send out at least a set a playlist of what we're going to be singing on Sunday because we do a lot of new music. So if I send it for <coughs> now, watch this. We don't like that as black folks and others, brown folks as well. We don't like that. Why? Because we like the element of surprise. Oh, we're going to kill them when they hear this this Sunday. <laughs> but watch this. They walk in and you, and then watch this. Y'all kill it in rehearsal. You get up on Sunday and you realize, why they not worshiping with us? And then, then they don't worship with you. And then what you start doing? Fussing. God ain't been good to y'all. Y'all sit here looking at They don't know it. So watch this. I, I'm a, we going to be real transparent. Last night, I caught myself halfway through our worship set. I said, 60% of the people in this room are not from Bible base. They don't know these songs, Trent. They do not know these songs. And I can tell y'all they know them songs. Y'all are like, okay, we're going to clap with you. Okay, okay, now we can catch this part. And listen. And, and, and listen, our folks, they'll tell you, have we sing them the same songs on Sunday morning? It would have been how, how it was with Dr. Stewart at the end of service. That's how it would have been at the beginning of our service. But again, y'all don't know the songs. So I said, okay, now, I also know people come to worship conferences to learn new songs so they can take them back to their church. Right. So it's a dual thing right there, you know what I mean? But, again, it's, a, it's, it's understanding. So even in worship, I had to catch myself last night. I don't, I, I don't fuss anymore. I used to be a fusser. Um, but I said, okay, so they're not really kind of responding. I'm accustomed to, and then I said, Trent, they're not from here. Yeah. They don't know the music. They don't know the culture. You know, so for instance, like Bible base, our church, and this is not a me thing, this is before I got here, we stand the entire service almost. Uh -huh. Like, from the time service starts to the time pastor gets up to preach, we are on our feet. Mm -hmm. Even if we've done baptism, communions, everything in between. Sometimes people will stand up on their feet for 40 minutes during our worship services. Mm -hmm. Yes, and, and it's not, when we start service, there's no, come on, let's stand to your feet. Oh. It's literally, good morning, Bible base, the whole church just mm -hmm. rises up. Yeah, we do that, don't we? <laughs> so watch this, watch this. If I'm accustomed to that at my church, and you're not accustomed to that at your church, and I'm looking at you like, why are you sitting there looking at me? Like, culture. So, next, uh, it should be pragmatic. People should leave out with practical tools to live Christian life. Are you engaging people's mind and minds and will at their level? At their level. You know, again, I like to read the dictionary sometimes. I'm one of those people. <laughs> but if I'm going to a church in the inner city or out in the country, them words that I just read in the dictionary may not work there. 
Whereas Bible-based would love them. Yeah. But now, what was that word you said? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add that to my little repertoire. <laughs> that's how they are. And now I see, like, I, my, again, we got family that's in the country. They'd be like, came in here with all them big words. We don't even know what you're talking about. I can't even experience God because you're talking all these. At their level. So watch this. Even though worship should be strategic, if your church is a church that is accustomed to all hymns, I cannot consciously come and leave them in worship and completely deviate from where they've always been. I have to find a way to slowly walk them from here to here. Right. So what? So what do? We, uh, what is something we do? You'll notice. I uh, if you watch any of our services, we and sometimes it's not planned. We medley a lot of stuff. So what we'll do is we'll take a brand new worship song just came out in 2023, 2024. And we'll we'll add one chorus of a standard hymn that has the same message. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so let me help y'all with that. Let, let's just talk music for a second. Um, I am a very very creative person, and I'm also a very very spirit led person. Right. So in our services, I deviate from what we practiced a lot. Like me. A whole lot. <laughs> to the point of I tell them so, you know, we call we we call, you know, everybody calls, you know, what we're singing, that's our set list, right? I tell them we don't have set lists. We don't practice we don't practice set lists. What do we practice? Scenarios. We don't practice set lists, we practice scenarios. We practice, okay, this is the way service could go. Yeah. This is one scenario. And then in rehearsals, I practice spontaneity with them. So in rehearsal, I'll pull out a piece of a song that they've never heard before, and I'll sing it in rehearsal and say, hey, be prepared just in case I go there Sunday. So for instance, we have worship scripts. We use Planning Center, by the way. Uh, Planning Center was a great uh, software for your church to use. You can do it from the membership perspective, perspective and planning out worship. I can show you what some of our worship scripts look like. If you want me to share some of those with you, I can print them out and give them to you before the end of the uh, conference, or you can email me and I can send them to you. But today, pastor didn't look at the worship script. This morning, pastor forgot to look at the worship script. So he was actually supposed to come up a lot earlier in the worship set and introduce Apostle Jones. <laughs> he didn't catch it. And I looked at him twice like, I don't want to be too obvious, but you're supposed to be up there right now, man. <laughs> okay, you didn't come up. So guess what? We're going to be spirit-led. It all worked out. But it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, we, 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 we follow. So the way I explain worship is, worship is a river. Our job as worship leaders is to help everybody jump in and flo float down the river together. Sometimes the river takes a turn that we didn't plan on. And we're open to the Spirit of God to do that. So yes, we'll, again, uh, we'll sing something brand new, mash it up with something old, go back to the brand new. And so everybody in our church is having that experience. Whereas Natalie right here, um, her, her, her pastor is my, is my blood cousin. I know them well. They're a younger church. They're a newer church. They may not have to do all that. But then I also know her pastor is an old soul. Very old soul. He's my cousin. He, uh, he acts about 15 to 20 years older than he actually is. So he likes real old songs. 
So you got a young church, but with a pastor who is very progressive in his mind, but in his actions, he's sometimes old school. You have to know that about your leaders. You see what I'm saying? So whereas you like, oh, he, he, he's only in his late 30s, early 40s. I don't need to sing that old music. And he over there like, man, if they would just break out in the glory, glory, I would go crazy. You have to know these about your leaders. Pragmatic. People should leave out practical. Next, interactive. Worship should always be engaging and interactive. Worship should always be engaging and interactive. What are ways that you can get your church to interact? And when I say interact, that's not just, oh, lift your hands, clap your hands, come on, dance. So, for instance, let me give you some examples of what we've done. Um, Easter service, Pastor preached on, uh, his sermon was Lessons from Linen Clocks. It was Lessons from Linen Clocks. Um, and he was talking about Jesus' grave clothes. That picture right there is from Easter. They were dancing to a song called Grave Clothes. So that the whole service started with them dancing to a song called Grave Clothes. Pastor was going to pick it up in his message. I went that week and I bought as big as a big of a crowd as we had for Easter. I went and bought like 20 yards of fabric. And I went and cut that fabric up and gave, gave pieces to my wife, gave pieces to some staff members. And we literally cut up pieces of linen cloth. And every member got a little piece of linen cloth when they walked in the door. At the end of the service for the altar call, pastor said, I'd like to invite you to lay your grave clothes at this altar. Mm. So we literally have a picture of hundreds of pieces of linen cloth laid at the altar. And you, you see how powerful it was? So I know we actually have a testimony of a girl who was struggling in an alternative lifestyle. Whatever you believe on that, she felt that that's, that, that God said from our yeah. doctrinal standpoint, that's not the way you should be living. She then walked up, put that cloth down, and told her mama, I want nothing to do with that life anymore. Wow. But she said, I didn't feel that way until I set the cloth down. Mm. I'm dry. I'm... I had other people. You know what? I've been struggling with depression. I'm laying it down today. But it was something that they could tangibly do that was interactive. Y'all will see tonight. I'm going to encourage you. Do me a favor. Um, if you've got a scarf, a hat, a handkerchief, bring it tonight. So we have a big Caribbean population here in our church. We live in Florida. Everybody got Caribbeans in their church. We sometimes do Caribbean music. One of the things that people talk about, when I have a lot of friends who live in the, uh, who are who live in the Caribbean. They're like, y'all are one of the few churches in America I have seen that makes Caribbean music feel and sound authentic. Mm-hmm. But that's because it looks like Caribbean church in here. You will see that tonight. I ain't gonna go into detail, but it looks like Caribbean church in here. So it's just one of those things where. How do we engage people in worship? What are some ways we can get them to interact with us? Um, so we do a lot of pastors sometimes will do uh, props for his sermon series. Mm-hmm. Last year, our theme for the year was strive. Seek, uh, strive to get through the narrow door. <coughs> so he preached with a narrow door 
on stage. It was very, it was like a, it was like a closet level door. When I said it was one of the best sermons that man up, and then it stuck in my mind because all I could see was him trying to wiggle through that door. So, what are ways that we can uh, get them to interact in worship? What are ways we get them to interact in worship? It has to go beyond. Come on, clap your hands, lift your hands. Now, and that, now, I'm going to say we don't do that every Sunday. That is not a every Sunday we're going to. So, for instance, this Sunday, as soon as y'all leave, we got to get ready for what we call Vision Sunday. That's a Sunday where we talk about the vision of what God, what, what God has placed on the pastor's heart for the year. He immediately walked in yesterday and said, um, I want everybody to leave with something in their hands to encapsulate the theme for the year. We said, it's equipped. We got the equipped conference. And we have no we have no more brain power to put an idea into what we can what we can find at the last minute for everybody to leave out with in their hands. Especially if they're gonna throw it, if they're gonna leave it in the seats when they leave. So sometimes we nix creative ideas. We don't have time, we don't have resources, but we try to make sure that we keep worship interactive. Interactive. Sometimes I invite people, get out of your seats, come to the altar. You can worship at the altar. Sometimes pastor will stop and, what was it, two weeks ago, hey, let's have a moment of prayer. Grab a prayer partner and we're just going we gonna to stop what we're doing. I know we've got something else in program, but just, just, just pray with the person next to you. Ways that they can interact and build community with each other. And the last one. Uh-huh. When do you, like, um, what are some indications, some indicators that, um, the congregation has connected with you on a phone that you may stay on because we notice where sometimes you'll just make that that decision we're connected let me stay here but without trying to focus on another phone so it's a couple things for me um i believe part of that is just my spiritual gifting is knowing where to where to where to flow with where god is leading I try to be very, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, which is our last point, being Christ-centered. But um, I try to be very, very sensitive to the Spirit. Very sensitive to the Spirit. Sometimes I can see it in actions. But normally there's an internal feeling like we don't need to move from this place too soon. Right. Yeah, you can sense it. Like, we don't need to, we don't need to move from this place too soon. Now watch this. I don't need to linger in this place too long, but I need to move too soon. And watch this. There are Sundays where I leave and feel like I missed it. Like, ooh, I sang that a little bit too long. I kind of missed the moment to hand that off the pastor. So I have a rule. I, call, I do what I call leave the mic hot. Leave the mic hot, meaning when the next person, whoever's coming after me, they ain't got to do no work at all. Now watch this. Some people will get the mic hot and then cool it down. Mm-hmm. You've taken the whole energy out of the worship service. Now the pastor got to come in and try and preach to people who've been shouting for 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I get you to that point where you almost, my friends always say, if you had to sing that chorus one more time, I know. I saved that last chorus off, so when pastor comes and grabs that mic, all he got to do is say, hey, you know, whatever. We sing and believe for it. Anybody believe God? And the whole church erupt. Now he can preach in 15, 20 minutes and we go home. I got 10 minutes, right? Oh. So, thank you, though. Um, 
the last thing is Christ-centered. Worship should always point to Jesus. This is a heavy one. This is a heavy one. I know we think that that's easy, but it's not always evident in our service. So worship is supposed to be about Jesus, and I got 30 minutes of announcements. Oh. Worship is supposed to be about Jesus, but you took a 15-minute offering. Most people do not give. The statistics show they don't give when you do all that. People have already purposed in their mind. Sometimes God breaks people's hearts for sacrificial season, giving and all that stuff. But if worship is supposed to point to Jesus, so one of the things that we have is again, we got people from all over, from all over different demographics, different age groups. So sometimes we will add in more traditional formats of worship. So for Christmas, we do liturgy. Like we do the Advent candle lighting. We uh, somebody does a responsive reading. We do an Advent hymn every Sunday, right? Now, we still try to make that feel like worship, like it's a part of the worship experience and people are getting closer to God. But what I also say is, if we're going to add stuff to our to our plan, which we, we don't really go too hard, if we're going to add stuff into our planned 90-minute worship service, what we don't need to do is try and cut the sermon or the, or the actual praise and worship short to get that other stuff in. You have six other days to promote events at your church. What if you just made that one day about Jesus? So our announcements are at the end of service. So if everything else goes long or if God moves, we don't have to cut it off to tell you that Equip Conference is coming. We move with God. So, what aspects of your service could have less time spent so that people can encounter Jesus? All of y'all got some of y'all here like, yeah, that'd be way too long. I didn't forget, there was a church, uh, they used to have what this thing called children's time. They would ask all the children to come from, come from the back and come sit down in front and they would give them a little Bible lesson. In the middle of it. The problem is the kids were not listening. Because all of the kids are sitting up here together. They rolling around on the floor. <laughs> picking their noses. Planting each other's ears. When my thought process is. Why do we have a youth pastor. If we got to come and do children's time. In the middle of the service every week. Well you know. Sister Ophelia and all them uh, retired teachers. They just love doing that. So maybe they can like. Actually pull them into a children's church service. Mm -hmm. Where they can get that time, and then it's actually taught to them in a relevant way. Because you're talking about, well, now, kids, if Moses went to that bush, you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's being wise about what's the best worship experience for every person in the room. Now, some people find value in that. And if you do, please don't think I'm, 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 I'm uh, uh, talking negatively about what you find value in. I'm saying for me, that didn't work. My children would not have enjoyed that. And I got two rambunctious ones. So they enjoy Now watch this. They're going to come home and they can know the songs. They'll know the scriptures. But it's going to have to be given to them in an engaging way. Mm -hmm. So that's the gist. We got five minutes. Um, are there any questions? Questions. You can ask me questions about whatever. Mm -hmm. Worship questions, whatever. And then I'm going to do one little, little last thing. And then we'll be out of here. Well, I have a question. Yeah. Um, 
question. Um, since I've been at Bible Base, we <coughs> the demographic of the church has changed a little. We have more uh, more uh, Hispanic families coming to the church. Yes. So would would that fall into interactive, adding more more things like that into the service? Like last Christmas, we had the part that was in Spanish. Mm -hmm. So is that more interactive, or where does that where does that fall into the Bible based model? Uh, it can be pr pr pragmatic or interactive. Now, here's what's interesting, though. Um, you're Hispanic, correct, Natalie? Yes. So, if you actually, English-speaking Hispanic people actually worship very similar to the way we worship. Mm -hmm. Like, her church is probably more churchy than Bible-based. And it's okay. probably half, this is a very large Hispanic population at her church. Um, they're actually a little bit more on the Pentecostal. Hispanics typically are. Um, they they want they want to experience God. It's it's actually very simple, very similar in all of the African diaspora. So if you go to the Caribbean, if you go to the Latin countries, and if you go to Africa, they experience Jesus. Mm -hmm. My sister is from uh, the UK, correct? Mm -hmm. Even the black folks in the UK, they want to experience Jesus. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where now they'll tell you Hispanic Heritage Month. We did. We did videos in Spanish um, every week to just highlight Hispanic Heritage Month. We did a bilingual song for Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, at this point, do we see a need to have uh, you know, bilingual songs every week? No. Now, if the Lord moves us in that direction, then we'll address that. But right now, again, like we got a whole bunch of Caribbean folks. And listen, some of our Caribbean folks are like, oh, I need more Caribbean music. <laughs> y'all can do that every single Sunday. And then some of them are like, no, just keep doing what y'all doing. So, again, it's this thing where I don't try to plan yeah. worship yeah. to try and hit everybody in the room. I can't. It's God, what do you want? So that's why it says, what does it mean to worship an audience of one? As, as a congregation, we worship an audience of one. Meaning, worship is not just what happens on the stage. Mm. Our job on the stage is to engage everybody into the worship experience. Mm. And so we all worship God together. Mm. Okay. So, I don't prepare worship for you. I prepare worship for God. Mm. Yeah. Amen. And the goal is that I've prepared it in such a way where you can worship God with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. welcome. Give you give you space to experience God. Yeah. So sometimes they'll even notice I say this in service. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. Mm -hmm. However you need to respond. If you need to kneel, kneel. If you need to lift your hands, lift your hands. If you need to shout, if you need to cry, if you need to pray, whatever you do, but respond to God. Because you're not responding to me. Yeah. So so please don't wait on the choir to sing the song that you like or for me to hit that note that you like to worship God because yeah. I may not do it this week for you. But God does it every day for you. Every second of the day. So, 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 watch this. When you get to the pearly gates, you are not going to be able to tell God, I didn't worship you because the choir wasn't the way I wanted them. Mm. Yes. Right. Lord, I would have worshipped you more I just couldn't get with the style of music that they were singing. Mm. I didn't like that new stuff. Wow. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, if it's lifting up Jesus, sing it. If it's old, sing it. If it's new, sing it. 
If it's white, red, yellow, blue, brown, and it's lifting up God, sing it. Sing it. Any other questions? I know we t listen, that food done hit our throats. <laughs> um, any specific questions about like worship team, choir stuff? Anybody? Okay. Go ahead. You about to say something? No, I don't have a question. Oh. But um my experience with um the worship team is all what I've noticed is that the songs that you use for worship are all adoration songs to to, um, to God. Whereas, I mean, sometimes you go to church and they sing the struggling songs, which are not really to now that I've under your praise and worship, there's a stark contrast. Your songs are just lifting God, acknowledging Him, praising Him, thanking Him. And every week there is an encounter. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you so That's much. That's what I. Okay, so this is where we're going to end this. I had an exercise, but of course, none of us got that. None of the presenters have gotten to their exercises. Brandon, maybe you got to yours. Um, actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a certain exercise. We're going to do it. I'm take three minutes. But what's uh, what's one thing that you're taking away from, from today? Just get a couple of folks. What's one thing you're taking away from this session today? Well, I was totally surprised, pleasantly surprised. Only because I thought it was going to be more technical, which it was. But I think what I've taken away from it is more the lifestyle of worship, mm -hmm. which is not a service on Sunday morning, but a heart posture, like your intimacy with God, your obedience to God. And that's wholeheartedly, like, um, engaged, like if you're engaging with God wholeheartedly, it shows up in how you treat people, it shows up in your approach to worship. And without you really saying that, throughout this whole class, I felt like that was echoed. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, 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 it's all about it's all about our posture, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about am I available to God? Can God use me? Because a lot of us watch this. Bible says in Revelations, you will uh, you will say, Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not all do all these great works in your name? And he says, I never knew you. So sometimes we confuse God moving in spite of us as God using us. And sometimes what God does is God says, even though you're being disobedient to what I've called you to do, I'm still not going to. I'm not going to let these people miss out on me because of you. Right. So it's all about heart posture. Right. Because I can have this church rocking every Sunday and still bust hell wide open. And that's a reality in my life. I can have, I can have, man, we can holler, we can scream, folk can come and join the church, and my children still not know God. Yeah, so it's about my heart posture. And watch this. It's when I align my culture with the culture of heaven. I feel like I'm about to teach a whole other session. I'm not going to. When I align my culture with the culture of heaven, this is how I really like to teach. I You're to going to sure. a sermon on y'all. I was about to say, I wanted to make sure y'all got the nuggets, but I'm, I'm hitting my vein now, but I'm not I'm going to stop it. When I align my culture to the culture of heaven, that's when God leads me in planning. So, for instance, she talks about the uh, last year at our Christmas program 
We started off the whole thing in Spanish. I had no idea why God told me to do it in Spanish. I was like, oh, it'll be a nice addition. That's what I was thinking. What we did not realize was there was a Hispanic family that was in town that rode around looking for a Christmas Eve service. They spoke not a lick of English. They just happened to stop at Bible Base. Nobody invited them. They didn't know who we were. They came in. And watch this. Every other song was in English and they didn't understand the English language, but they engaged in worship because they, we started the service off uh, with Benite Adoramos. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, y'all remember. Benite. Sorry, I was saying the Latin, not the Spanish. But that one moment, I had no idea why God was doing that. And I went and tried to speak to those people. No, no English. And I'm like, no English, but your hands were lifted the entire time. Because I may not I may not understand the language, but God's doing the translating up in here. Amen. And, I, and, I, and I know spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people can tell when it's real. Yeah. And people can tell when it's fake. Mm-hmm. People like, I, I used to hear people back when I lived somewhere else. Uh, he up there doing all that jumping around and da and he doing all that. And I'm like, if you think it's fake, cool. Mm-hmm. By all means. But this is as real as they come. This is how I am with my kids in the house. So if I'm going to be like that everywhere else, I'm not going to be quiet and timid on God. Period. Amen. All right. So you guys, on the second page is my information.